0: Hello to all and a good Sunday afternoon to you. Uh, Lots going on in our world today and this week and at this time. uh, Our hearts especially are concerned for all of those in the eye of the storm in the pathway of Hurricane Ida. We are especially concerned for all of those that we know that are in uh, that area of Louisiana and Mississippi especially and of course, Southeast Texas will get a, its share of rain from this, I would imagine, but especially those areas of to the little bit to the east of there, in uh, Mississippi and especially in Louisiana. And so much water, so high winds—we, um, uh, it's just a devastating thing. And so we pray that God will uh, guide you and your loved ones during that time. Our church here in Tyler. West Irwin Church of Christ has uh, sent mission teams to the New Orleans area for uh, many years. And so we, uh, we certainly pray for those churches there that uh, are trying to weather the storm as best they can and uh, not very far into the future, we'll have to come back and, um, and take a look at the damage. So our hearts and prayers uh, are with you all Our uh, love continues to go out for those in Afghanistan, for the families of our brave uh, soldiers who are mourning the loss of a loved one and others who are worried and fearful uh, that they may be getting that same call. We appreciate your service so very much and your sacrifice so very much, and we ask God to protect uh, you and to protect your loved ones. Um, we know that there are other places in the world that have uh, are going through difficulties right now and so we we look to the um, king of kings and the Lord of Lords to be merciful and to be present and we know that he will um, Today we look at a great passage it's actually the final passage in our study of first John. We won't have any study next week for sure on Labor Day weekend and um, and so I uh, I'm excited about this lesson because it begins with the verse that, in many ways, could be called the theme verse of the book of First uh, John, um, the apostle whom Jesus loved, writing to say, "I'm. Uh, here's why I'm writing, so that you can know if you have believed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you will um, can know that you are saved. You can have that blessed assurance." that we sing about because you have come to believe in the name of the Son of God. So a shout out to all of those who are joining again uh, live and those who are joining a little bit later. Uh, Hello to my dear friends Larry and Lynn and Eric and Cindy and others that will be watching along the way. What a blessing uh, you are. Uh, I ran across this story in a sermon illustration website and I tried to do some checking on it and I wasn't able to find anything. And I'm kind of thinking it's because um, they they got shut down. <laughs> uh, but listen to this, there was a website and a man for $20 offered guaranteed admission into heaven. Sounds pretty good, right? Although police considered it a scam, duh. Detective uh, Mark Johnson admitted it would be pretty tough to prove He's wrong. (laughs) Did you get that? It sounds like the perfect scam, right? I mean, who can say that he's wrong? Um, uh, Interesting. The certificate is also available for cherished pets at a discounted price of only $15. Uh, Commenting on the report, one minister said, Our calling is to teach and to preach what's in the Bible. I guess there will always be people who take advantage of people and use religion to do it. Unfortunately, that has always been the case, uh, and that is certainly the case now. We are mindful of the temptations that Jesus faced in Matthew 4 and in Luke 4 when Satan hit Jesus on the last two with Scripture to try to turn him away from the will of the Father. Uh, This website warned that only God knows which faults will keep us out of heaven, uh, whatever those might be. And so it gives its disclaimer in a way. After raising the specter of uncertainty, the article says, "The website promised that with this 100% guaranteed heavenly admission certificate, there is now quote no need for confessions or penance." Well, wouldn't that be nice if we could know that we're saved? It'd be worth 20 bucks, wouldn't it? Well, Like so much else that we see going on in the world today, people try everything in the world to do something that scripture itself offers. And that's where we begin today, this great verse in 1 John 5, verse 13. We'll read from verses 13 through 17. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Verse 16, if you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I am not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. Well, we'll get to the last part of that, but let's take these verses kind of one at a time here as we uh, cover this beginning passage and then the last half, and then we'll sum up this study of 1 John. Uh, Verse 13 affirms in a very clear way, we can know that we are saved. So many times we hear that question asked, do you know that you're saved? Do you know that if you died tonight, you would go to heaven? Um, If you know me very well, you know that's not my approach. I don't think that that's the right approach. I do believe that we are called to warn people that if we refuse to repent, if we refuse to come to faith in Jesus Christ, that uh, we don't have hope of salvation and that uh, we have only ahead of us an eternity away from God. And um, and I think there's no reason to, uh, to soft-soap that, there's no reason for us to uh, try to pretend that's not the case, because that is harmful. But at the same time, I, I think that there are other ways to communicate that. Um, I'm always a little leery of that kind of, of, uh, of fear-mongering in the name of Jesus Christ. I, I know scripture is very clear in saying that there is a hell and that there is a heaven. And I think the, the greatest thing about heaven is the worst thing about hell. Uh, the fact that we will either be with Jesus in heaven or we will be away from him in hell for eternity. And so I, I think that it is uh, it is right for us to consider those things and to share those things. But what we begin with in this passage is that great statement of affirmation. We can know that we are saved. And how do we do that? Well, we do that by declaring and living a life of faith in the Son of God. That's what John says. That's what John had said in his gospel. Remember at the end of of the gospel of John in chapter 20, near the end, the next to the last chapter, it ends with these words, "I've, I've written these things to you. Uh, so that you may come to faith in Jesus Christ. I've written these things to you so that you may have faith in Christ and that coming to believe in Jesus, uh, you can have life. Well, it's very similar to what he writes about here in this passage, in this theme statement of 1 John in chapter 5 verse 13. I've said all along that there are two streams in the in the letter of 1 John. One is a stream to those who need to repent and call them to repentance and con- confront them. Another is that stream that's written to those who are faithful, to those who are trusting in Jesus Christ and who need a word of assurance. And I think that's what John affirms here. What he wants more than anything else is for everyone to come to faith in Christ so that they can know that they have eternal life. How do we get that assurance? How do we have that confidence? It's through that trust and faith in Jesus Christ. It's through actions of obedience to God and love for others. He has talked about that throughout 1 John. And especially in these last uh, few chapters, he has gone over and over again Uh, to remind us and call us to love our brother and to love our sister, to love our neighbor, as Jesus put it. Uh, And we know that we have that assurance through trust in the sacrifice of our Savior. We know that we're not gonna do those things perfectly. This morning in our sermon at West Irwin Church of Christ, I spoke about the gospel, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that he was buried, that he was raised from the dead that the tomb is empty and that there were people who attested to that fact in the first century and, and how that could have been disproven right away. All they had to do was to take a, a hike over to Joseph's tomb, uh, get permission from the emperor, break the seal, have the soldiers roll the stone away, go in and see there the body of Jesus would lay. But we know they didn't do that. Why, why didn't they do that? That would have ended everything right away and when the disciples started spreading the story, when the church began, uh, it was less than two months after that day and it was right there in the same city where that occurred. So there's no reason to believe that they wouldn't have done that if it were possible. The problem is, is that Jesus wasn't there and it was not possible. So they had to spread this wild story of these weak disciples uh, overtaking a, a extra Roman guard, charged with uh, their lives to guard that tomb and, and that that's what happened. They, they stole the body of Jesus from those soldiers and that's ridiculous. Uh, ridiculous. Talk about a lot of faith required to believe something. I think that is a bigger stretch than what the scriptures tell us. And so we accept by faith that that actually happened and when we put our trust in that risen Lord, we can know that we have eternal life. We can know that we are saved. The next verses say we can know that we are heard. In verses 14 and 15, it says that if we ask for anything uh, according to God's will, then uh, he'll hear us and we'll receive that blessing. Uh, There's great assurance here. It's very similar to what Jesus says over and over again as he meets with his disciples in that upper room just before he's killed in John 14 and 15 and 16. He says several times in there, ask what you will in my name. I, I used to say ask me. Now you can ask the Father directly through me, through my spirit. And, uh, and of course the caveat here in 1 John 5 is that it is according to the will of the Father. Jesus claimed over and over again that he came to do the will of the Father. And we know that Jesus prayed a great prayer of deep faith in the Garden of Gethsemane and did not get what he asked for. He asked the Father to spare his life, to find some other way, and yet the answer to the Son of God himself was no. Why? Because that wasn't the Father's will. And Jesus affirms that in that prayer not my will but yours be done as you know in the lord's prayer as we call it jesus calls on us to pray the same thing our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven sometimes when i pray that prayer to myself i pray thy will be done in my life as it is in heaven that's a It's a hard prayer because we know that it calls us to live according to the will of the Father. Uh, James, the half-brother of the Lord, says in James chapter 4, you know, it's okay to make your plans, but you better make your plans according to the will of the Father. And that doesn't mean just saying if it's the Lord's will, that's not a bad thing to do. But it means recognizing that everything we do and everything we plan. Is in, needs to be in accordance with the will of the Father. That's what John affirms here. We can know that we're saved, we can know that we're heard, and we can know that we can make a difference. He talks about those confronting those and going to those who have committed a sin that's not unto death or a sin that is unto death. Um, and so a few possible in, interpretations. One is that this is a sin that leads to physical death. And I, I think we would understand that. Um, for example, Ananias and Sapphira, Nadab and Abihu—stories uh, in the New Testament and the Old Testament of individuals who were called out because of their sin and struck dead by the power of the Lord. Second um, Corinthians five verse ten says, "We're going to be judged uh, by things done while we were in the body." In that great passage in Second Corinthians five. The first 10 verses that talk about the second coming and the judgment of God. And so one possibility is that sin that leads to physical death. Another is unacknowledged sin, a sin that we, we don't know about. Uh, it seems like there may be some who committed that sin. And for John, in First John chapter 1, I think he answers that one. By saying, look, if anybody says they haven't sinned, they're they're deceiving themselves. We and Paul in Romans three would agree we've all sinned and come short of God's glory, and of course it could also be the sin of apostasy. Um, and I I think Scripture of course condemns that sin of apostasy, but Scripture nowhere says um, don't pray for them. It's very strong in passages like Matthew twelve and Hebrews six and. Hebrews 10 and other places, Romans 1, that talk about those who turn away from God and and do not give them any hope of salvation. But I don't think anywhere in those passages does it say, stop praying for them. Seems to be in my reading of the New Testament and the Old Testament that, that we pray for those who are not close to God, that they will become close to God. Bill's thinking on this passage, the sin unto death is that sin that Uh, causes someone to uh, actually lose their life and so they lose their life while taking uh, while committing a sin and I you know I I think that uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're lost eternally I I think that that's always a possibility we don't know people's hearts Uh, even in the sin of suicide we we don't know their heart we don't know what was going on God will judge them based on his grace and his mercy um, i I know when Jesus comes I could be involved in a weak moment and and be actually sinning at that moment when he comes back an individual who is in a, a car accident or some other uh, uh, thing that takes their life while they're uh, drunk that's a sin uh, well again um, we can't uh, say that that's not something that is wrong and and but that, but to say that that means, because they died while committing that sin, that they are lost, I don't think that that's the case. Well, what's the difference, Bill? Well, the difference is, if they're still alive, they can still repent. They can still seek God's forgiveness. I think that's what John's saying here. He's saying, pray for pray for people. Pray that those who are away from God will come back to him, or will come to know him for the first time. Um, We acknowledge the mission and work of Jesus. He came to seek and to save the lost, Luke 19.10. He is the atoning sacrifice. Paul tells us that in Romans 3. John tells us that himself in the first two verses of 1 John 2. Um, He came to save sinners. Paul affirms that great truth in 1 Timothy 1, even calling himself the chief or worst of sinners. And so we share in the ministry of Jesus as ministers of reconciliation, as ambassadors for Christ. That great passage in Second Corinthians 5 calls us to plead with people uh, to be reconciled to God. Uh, we share in that great ministry. Like Peter says, we're always ready to give an answer to anyone who asks for the hope that is within us. And so I, I think looking at all of those things, John is calling us uh, to have assurance of our salvation and to realize that we can make a difference in the lives of sinners. Uh, all wrongdoing he is sin. he says in verse seventeen, and there is a sin that does not lead to death. and when when that happens, then we pray, and then we urge and we plead that they will get right with God. That great verse in first John chapter one, verse seven. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all our sins. Similarly, two verses later in 1 John 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and righteous and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us. Uh, Just as, as John had said in verse 7, He will forgive. He will forgive. Well, these last verses then is a great conclusion to this little letter of 1 John and builds on that great verse that we just read in verse 13 especially. 1 John 5, verses 18 through 21. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, John ends with this statement, keep yourselves from idols. And in a way, that's what this whole letter has been about, hasn't it? Keep yourselves from idols. Several things that John says here that we can know. That we do know. We know, first of all, that sin and Satan do not rule over us. That's why. That's how we can know that we have eternal life. Because we have come to faith and trust in Jesus Christ for our soul's salvation, not in ourselves. Our trust and our faith is not in ourselves. It's in being born of God. Uh, we know, secondly, in verse 19, that we are the children of God. We know that we are children of God. And we know this, just as he had said earlier in 1 John chapter 3, when he says out of amazement, um, what an incredible thing that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, we actually can be called children of God because we are children of God. John says, we know that we are children of God. Thirdly, we know that Satan controls, to some extent, the world, the second part of verse 19. Of course, we see that in every generation. I was talking with someone this morning, and he was saying, well, it sure seems like uh, the world is is really full of sin right now. And the world has always been full of sin. There have always been horrible, evil people. Uh, There have always been sinfulness and difficulties, challenges, uh, nations, and leaders, who act against the will of God, we know that. We certainly see that today. Um, But that's always been the case. And it doesn't mean that we take light the situation that we are confronted with in today's world. This is our time and our world, and so it's very real to us, and we need to act accordingly uh, to what God's calling us to do, to be the salt of this earth at this time, and the light of this world at this time. And, and we can do that. But Satan has always had some sway in this life. Ever since the Garden of Eden, uh, Satan has lied and is the father of lies, as Jesus says in John 8, and seeks to accomplish his will uh, by doing that. Seeks to take people away from their creator. He's always tried to do that, and he's really good at it. But it doesn't have to be so. As powerful and great as, as Satan is, he he is not all-powerful. He has no way to take us away from the Father if we don't want to go, if we don't want to go. And so we hold on to that great truth. And that's why we're urged not to love the world or the things of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, right here in 1 John in chapter 2. It's why we're called upon to put our faith and our trust not in ourselves, not in our bank accounts, not in our nation or our national leaders, not in our military, not in our physical ability, um, only in Jesus Christ. We know, and we know next, that Son of God has come into the world, and he has come to us. 1 John 5 Verse 20, we know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. And it was that great truth and that great assertion that got Jesus crucified. When they were hounding him and hounding him and calling up false witnesses that that could not do the trick, They finally uh, called on Jesus to tell them the truth, and he did. He said, yes, I am the Son of God, and what's more, you will see me coming with the angels one day. And they said, that's good enough for us. You have committed blasphemy. You are worthy of death. And that would have been true according to the law, except for one little thing. When Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, he was telling the truth. We know... We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. We are in Him who is true. By being in His Son, Jesus Christ, He is the true God. He is eternal life. That's really the purpose of the New Testament. It's to call us to faith in Jesus Christ. A faith that is obedient. A faith that is faithful. Uh, faith that trusts in the Lord and so this last word in verse 21 dear children keep yourselves from idols seems like an odd way to end a book a letter doesn't it and yet at the same time we hear John's great heart of affection and ministry for those that he's writing to and we see that especially come out in the one chapter letters of 2nd John and 3rd John but his whole point in writing has been similar to Paul's writing, to Peter's writing, to the rest of the New Testament writers, because they sought to carry the message of Christ into people that they cared about, so that they would know that they need to trust not in idols, but only in Jesus Christ, only in God himself. You see, when we trust our lives and our, our hope to anything other than God, then that is called idolatry in scripture, whatever that might be. And it may be good, it may be strong, it may be powerful, it may even be helpful. But ultimately, it's limited in its ability. Only Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Only Jesus could, the the book of Hebrews brings out in a great, great way. Only Jesus could be our great high priest. Only Jesus could bring the great promises that come with this better covenant, the covenant that is sealed with his blood, the blood of the Lamb of God. We sang that wonderful Twilight Paris song this morning in our worship assembly. We're called upon to live faithfully. After we had spoken about being uh, separated from Christ because of our sin and how Jesus came and lived and died and was raised, and how we can respond in faith, Our last point this morning was living for Jesus, living in faith. Uh, And that's what John calls his people to do right here. Don't, Don't pay attention to idols, don't give yourself to idols, but only give yourself to Jesus Christ. Continue to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, Paul says in Romans chapter 12. In Colossians 3, he tells us that everything we say, everything we do, is to be done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Throughout the New Testament, that seems to be its purpose, to get us to come to faith in Jesus, and then to get us to live like we have faith in Jesus. I think it's very important in these terrible, distressing times that are so threatening, and to some, much more threatening than to me, here in wonderful East Texas, so threatening because of natural disasters, so threatening because of the evil that men do, um, so threatening because of the nature of this world. It's important for us to ask ourselves once again, where does my trust find itself? Where does my hope lie? Where does my peace come from? Where do I get my joy? And if The answer in any of those cases is anything other than Jesus Christ. It won't be enough. It just won't be enough. And you can't know that you have eternal life. And so again, as we close up this study of the wonderful letter of 1 John, I hope it's helped you, certainly has helped me to go through this again. Two streams that John writes to. One, are those who are unfaithful and need to repent, those who claim that they haven't sinned, those who, who have trusted in something other than God, other than Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The spiritual arrogant, spiritually arrogant need a dose of humility. And what John calls them to do is to repent. And his message to them is simple. Don't wander away from the Lord. Continue to walk in the light and for those who are faithful. They don't need a a call to repent. They need assurance. They need that blessed assurance of knowing that Jesus is ours because we are his. Those who feel insecure and need a voice of confidence, what John tells them in this great letter is, don't wonder about your salvation. They're not wandering. They're like that Father that we spoke about in our class, Bible class this morning in Mark 9. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Well, if you're still praying that prayer, then you can have the assurance of knowing that Jesus is right there with you and that he sends his Holy Spirit to help you and to guide you and to bring you that peace. He has sent his word to to help us. John has affirmed time and time again in this letter that we are called to live Faithfully, in accordance to the word and will of God. Uh, and if we get away from that word and no longer seek to live by it, then we become those who are hearing that word of rebuke and are reminded don't wander away from the truth. But if you're living to please God, if you're seeking his will, if you're reading your Bible, if you're trying to find that right path and, and you seek to live that way, then the message of John is clear. Don't wonder about your salvation. If you have been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ by his authority, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, for the forgiveness of your sins, then you've been raised to live a new life. And while that new life won't be sinless, (laughs) that new life can be faithful. And that new life can be lived with blessed assurance that Jesus is mine just like that great old hymn says and so we end this great study of first john with these words from first john chapter 5 verse 13 i write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of god so that you may know that you have eternal life may god bless you all